0: Thank you, Belle. Thank you, Belle. Thank you, Belle. Good morning, church. How's Living Way? You all right? Okay. Well, it's good to see everyone this morning and see all you guys' faces. Well, we're going to do something a little different. We're actually going to do our values right now. We're going to switch it up a little bit. So those of you who are new to our church, uh, we have a set of values that just kind of embody what we value as Living Way. So if we could, if you all could just please stand with me as we just go over our values together and I will read the value and then you will read the statement in one voice. A gospel-centered life. The gospel is the basis of our intimacy with God and our power for true transformation. A gospel revealing community by our love that transcends all natural bonds, all people will know that we are Christ's disciples unapologetic proclamation of scripture we stand on the solid rock of scripture without compromise for all other ground is sinking sand church as family we as followers of jesus pursue his vision of family through our deep and mutual commitment into dependence and affection and lastly a missional community we join God's mission to make disciples by demonstrating tangibly the power of the gospel in our city and in the world. And before you take a seat, why don't you go handshake or bump, hand bump three people and tell them Jesus loves them. All right. all right all right all right okay oh, praise the lord well church we as living way <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> have been in the pasadena area for a little over three years now we've weathered a move to a new city we've weathered as a church a pandemic We've weathered church closures, social and political unrest. And through it all, the Holy Spirit has been forming, clarifying, and solidifying our values. Our values to be a gospel-centered, unapologetic, in the proclamation of Scripture, kind of a community that's living together as one, as family, with the aim to be a gospel-revealing, missional community. So as a leadership, we've been asking ourselves, Lord, what's next? Well, for the first time in the 22-year history of Living Way Community Church, we will be seeking a permanent location to call home. Amen. You may see some individuals that are wearing shirts that are embodying our Campaign and we're calling the campaign beyond the building So you see people that are part of the team and the team has been working in the background uh, Probably a good 30 or 40 people for the past six months and they've been putting in grit and work So if we could just give them a hand clap I know you guys don't know what they've been doing, but God bless every single one of the individuals and This campaign is called uh, we're calling it beyond the building campaign because the building is not the goal but it is a means to an end of our vision To being a gospel revealing missional community now why are we doing this why and why now one of the primary reasons that drive us as a church to do this is because the days are evil and a faithful witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ through the church is waning we're seeing fewer and fewer churches that are holding down the reality of what Jesus Christ ultimately died for for us to be Christianity today a couple weeks ago wrote an article entitled the decline of Christianity shows no signs of stopping the writer says this people are giving up on Christianity and Then he goes on to say based on the study. They will continue to do so and if you're trying to predict the future religious landscape in America according to Pew the question is not whether Christianity will decline, it's how fast and how far. end quote We are seeing an unprecedented movement away from the gospel. Pew and their report says, no matter what we might think as far as the mechanism that may be driving such a decline in Christianity even above the fact that the world is not moving into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ they say Christians are deciding that they are not Christians anymore and churches are accommodating they're shifting the reality of the gospel the way God intended it to be interpreted from Scripture the way it's been understood for thousands of years to accommodate and apostate Christianity that wants to form and shape the gospel into its own image. See, the glory of the kind of church that Christ died for is under threat. And yet that is the greatest witness for the glory of God in the world is the local church. And so we see it as imperative that we continue to try to root ourselves here as a church. One that is unapologetic for the proclamation of scripture. That's gospel-centered and gospel-rooted. That's about missions. That's about church as family. I want you to picture it with me, a facility of our own. A community where we can have in the Pasadena area a hub. A hub where we can worship and pray together throughout the week, unencumbered by time and space. As you know, this location here, we can only come here on Sundays. Imagine being able to come through Monday through Saturday Imagine a place where we can have ministry gatherings from our DC's our small groups to trainings to conferences for the sake of the gospel and for community formation I just want you to picture with me if you will this church in a location a hotbed of global missions Sending people on short-term long-term areas where we as a church can rally around the gospel and send out people to even church plant in places that are unengaged and unreached I want you to imagine a place a place buzzing with activity from people of every race of every political persuasion of every age socioeconomic and educational background all those people under the same roof that have so many differences and yet are loving one another as god calls us to do as family i want you to imagine a place where we can participate in community living in the local area serving and engaging our neighbors people that are in those cars that are coming up and down that freeway where we can do community outreach service ministry events i've noticed the power and the beauty of being rooted within the community even as i've been here such a short time we as a family have been here for just about three years and my children uh, attended maranatha high school and after they graduated they asked me to be on one of their boards And to be able to just rub shoulders and to see people within the community that are also about the gospel is an encouragement for me as a pastor. And the only reason why I'm able to do that is because I'm local. And so I'm meeting local people. And they want us to bring actually local pastors into the community. They actually had a pastor's breakfast just this past week where Jeremy Treat from uh, Reality LA spoke. And just to see a room full of pastors in the local community that are willing to actually come alongside the gospel for the sake of Jesus Christ was an encouragement to my soul. Just imagine us being able to be a church that can have things like our Harvest Festival. You guys remember last year we had a Harvest Festival out here? Imagine being able to have the whole community that we can invite. We can canvas the neighborhoods and just invite people to come and experience the harvest that is Jesus Christ. Imagine having a place, a building, where we can invite our neighbors and our friends to actually join us in family worship I've told this story before but before we had a, a church that was more commuter oriented it was because, and that's why we called our last campaign from commuter to community which brought us here to the Pasadena area before we had people that were coming from all kind of different directions and most most of you know at that point I lived in uh, Compton and I did my grocery outlet runs I'm not gonna talk about grocery outlet right now no y'all tired of hearing about that all right I'm gonna leave it alone but On on my runs, I would always constantly just run into people because they would see me there every single Sunday, so I would develop and build relationships. Or there always came a point where they asked me, well, what do you do? Well, I just so happen to be a pastor and you need Jesus, right? And then at that point, I'd want to invite them out to the church. But we were always in downtown LA, and they were living in Compton. So to have them come all the way out to the church was just a task and a half. So I never had that opportunity to bridge that opportunity that I had to connect on a shoulder-to-shoulder basis. Well, imagine being able to just be in the community, where now we're actually rubbing shoulders with people who say, hey, you can come to church, it's just five minutes away. Hey, it's just right down the street. Hey, you just hop in your car 10 minutes and you're there. That's what I'm experiencing even now with the new grocery outlet in Altadena. We talked about that last week, amen, where I'm talking to people, I'm sharing, and I'm like, hey, we got a church out here, and it's not all the way out in LA, it's not in the South Bay, it's just right down the street. Just hop in the car, five minutes, 10 minutes, and you're there. Just imagine being able to start a school or maybe a homeschooling co-op. Amen. Come on now. That, that's, that's my daughter. She, she's about to give birth. So she's, she's looking, looking to those things now. Um, just to tide. We already know where the educational system is here. Amen. And what that article in Christianity is saying is that the next generation is abandoning the faith. But What if we could stem the tide as a church? In some way, shape, or form if we could stem the tide and raise up the next generation that will not bow the knee to Baal. Imagine a place where we can root ourselves, where we can begin to infiltrate the various sectors of this society, the places of influence, whether that be government locally, whether that be the schools and education, whether that be partnering with other Christ-centered churches, whether that be us becoming a media and tech force, even in this area, where maybe, maybe we have people who are entrepreneurs, where we can start small businesses here in the community and, and help people gain gainful employment. Even now, we have our youth pastor that's uh, developing relationships with some of the local high schools, just so that we can have a voice in the life of the next generation. Just recently, we just met with uh, the director of Preborn, and I can't wait to share with you news about what God is doing through this organization when it comes to the issue of abortion. We went from community, commuter to community church, and now we see the next step of progression to be a gospel revealing missional community, and that is to go beyond the building. So the question I have for us this morning is, what's the first step? What's the first step for us as a church as we begin this journey together? Well, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter three, Joshua chapter three. And when you get there, say beyond the building. Okay, I'll wait. When you get there, say beyond the building. Okay, we ready. All right, let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, this is your word. By your word, you called galaxies into existence. By your word, you became flesh. The word among us. And by your word, through your sacrificial death, you declared it is finished. And by your word, in your resurrection power, we have salvation both now and forevermore. God, this is your word. It will not return to you void. So God, please, will you take this jar of clay in all my weakness and foil, foibles and failures. And will you do far more abundantly than I could even imagine for the sake of the glory of your name through your church. God, will you speak to those, everyone, that they might hear and be changed. Not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Want to give a little background and context to the book of Joshua, right above chapter 3, chapter 2, where Rahab hid some of the spies. Joshua sent some spies into the land to to carry out uh, a recon session. And during that session, they came back with good news. At the end of chapter 2, verse 24, they say to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands. And also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. So now you can see and potentially feel the the ethos in the the camp as the children of Israel hear this wonderful news. Chapter 3 opens as the dawn is breaking over the Israelite camp. The details of the spies probably begin to filter to the various tents. There's a buzz in the air. There's an excitement. For the first time now, they are about to move into the promised land. But there's a problem. Kind of a big problem. Something stands between them and the promised land. And what is it? It's the Jordan River. I want you to look at verse 14. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the Lord. So I want you to feel the anticipation of the writer. He's writing it in clauses, if you will. And he's giving, if you will, this kind of sense of anticipation. The news has come. God has melted away all of our adversaries. They are stark in fear. The Jordan is before us, and all we gotta do is get past the Jordan. And so you see in verse 14, so when the people set out from the tent, it's like, okay, it's coming to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the ark. Okay, it's coming before the people. And then the next cause, verse 15, and as soon as, they, as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, uh-oh, it's about to come, it's about to come, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were, were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout all the time of harvest. Whoa. That was a little abrupt there. I was getting all excited, weren't you? Weren't you ready to kind of hear the miracle that was just about to just set forth and come off? All of a sudden there in, in verse 15, the author puts in a parentheses. He, he, he delays the climax. Why would anyone want to ruin a perfectly good story with a report about river conditions? The river conditions. The Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. When was it that God led Israel through the Jordan? It was precisely at this time of the harvest. And here's the reality about the harvest time in the Jordan. Within this valley is a river, and it's the Jordan Valley. And there are floodplains within this valley, which can go 200 yards to almost a mile wide. And the floodplains of, of the Jordan Valley, they, they were packed with tangled bushes and, and, and jungles, if you will, jungle growth. Hence, it was not just a river that was the issue so much, but it was also the fact that within the river, there was jungle and brush and when it was low, it was already difficult just to get through the jungle. When it was low, it was already difficult to just get through the brush. But it would range from being three feet to almost 10 to 12 feet. And during harvest time, the current was so strong because of the drop in elevation of about 40 feet per mile near the Sea of Galilee. This meant that the river that Israel would have to cross during the harvest time It was rushing profoundly. It was a torrent, if you will, during this time. Out of all of the times that God had called them to cross the river to get to the promised land, it was during a time, basically, that it was utterly impossible. And then watch what the officers and the leaders tell them to do in verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and, and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. Everybody say, Lodge there. Look at verse 2. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp. So, first, God had them lodge in front of the Jordan. And then the officers had them wait in front of this torrent of the Jordan for three days why why they were sitting down looking at the impossible and the reason why God wanted them to sit there is because he wanted them to sit in front of their impossible he wanted them to sit there and take it all in. He wanted them to hear the rush of the water. He wanted them to imagine what it was going to be like to get through the jungles underneath the water. He wanted them to feel what it felt like as, as the winds blew, as, 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 as the sound rushed and they couldn't even sleep at night. He wanted them to feel the weight of the impossibility. Well, see, we church at this time, we too stand at the brink of our Jordan. Right now, property prices are impossible. Somebody told me that that property across the way is being sold in escrow for, I think, $23 million. $23 million. Property availability. The Pasadena area is not so large. And to find a place for an actual church is even more difficult. They're telling us that we need to raise at least $1.5 million just to be relevant. And this is during a recession. We're talking about getting a building during inflation. We're talking about God wants us to go into the promised land with cost of living increases. Again, my, my family's gluten free. Any gluten frees out there? That's some, that gluten free is freedom. It's really not. A loaf of bread costs like, it, it, it was costing $7. And I was, remember we talked about Thanksgiving last, last week, right, I was, pray, praise the Lord, thank you Lord for $7. Now I'm going in there, it's $9 for a loaf of gluten free bread, $9. The experts in real estate are telling us. They look at us strange when we say that we want to have a church in Pasadena. They kind of stutter a little bit and say, did you say Pasadena? This is our Jordan. But see, I've told this story partially and and, and maybe you've heard all of it, but I'm going to tell it throughout this message. Because I know what it is To see a jordan in front of you i know what it looks like when it looks like it's impossible before we moved to pasadena about three and a half years ago in the altadena area now our jordan was first moving from compton to pasadena we felt god calling us as a church to the pasadena area and when i looked at the prices, I was like, I don't know if we're hearing God right. We might need to go back into some fasting and prayer on that one. Because it just basically doubled the moment we crossed into the Pasadena area. The moment I jumped off that 110, it was like everything just skyrocketed. I've stood in front of the impossible before. I've told you guys, About four years ago, I had seven gangsters on my doorstep asking where my son is because they wanted to kill him. And as a result of that, we asked ourselves, God, how are we gonna get out of Compton and we can't afford it? We gotta sell this house, God, in two weeks with nowhere to live, nowhere for my kids to go to school and it's August. I've sat in front of the impossible. And maybe right now you're sitting in front of your Jordan. You're impossible. Maybe it's that health issue that you think is just running too hard and too high and too long. That God has you sitting right in front of it. Maybe it's those financial challenges. Maybe it's that relational ruin that you see before you. Maybe it's that mental health challenge that that just continues. Maybe it's those parental hardships that remain. Maybe it's that desire, whatever it is in your life, whatever that need is, whatever that desire is, where you're seeing, God, you keep having me sit in front of the impossible, but I don't see how I'm going to get across that Jordan. Is anybody with me? So here's the question. How are we to deal with the Jordans in our lives? How are we to deal with the impossible that sits before us? Well, I want to give us three things that we as a church are going to look to as we move forward into the impossible. And I want you to have your impossible in front of you, whatever it is for you right now. And I want you to apply these three realities to yours as well. The first thing that God calls us to when our Jordan's rage can be seen in verse 3. And he commanded the people... As soon as you see the ark, everybody say see the ark, of the covenant of the Lord, your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Now, I want you to notice in verse 3 that the emphasis of the verse is not on the Jordan. Notice he said, notice he didn't say when you see the Jordan. What did he say? When you see the what? Ark. You see, this is the first time that the ark actually leads Israel explicitly in the biblical narratives. So the first thing that he tells them is, see the ark. And what does the ark represent? The manifest presence of God. Verse 4 yet there shall be a distance between you and it namely the ark about two thousand cubits in length do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go for you have not passed this way before you notice the children of israel before when they go around jericho they were right behind the priests right so you would expect that that would be the same instructions. But God doesn't tell them to come right behind the priest. What did he tell them to do? 2,000 cubits away. God didn't want them right behind the priests. He wanted them a distance from them. Why? Distance enough to do a couple of things. One, to see verse 3, the ark. Because if everybody's all up close on it, the people in the back can't see the ark. Only the people in the front. Also, he wants them to be able to see the miracle that was coming. Because if they're back here and the ark is down there, when that Jordan starts to split, the whole entire people of Israel will see it. And thirdly, he wants them to see the path forward. As he says in verse 4, you haven't gone this way before. I'm gonna show you the way forward. Remember I asked you, what's your Jordan? What's your Jordan? See, sometimes with our Jordans, sometimes we're too close up on them. Come on now, are you hearing me? We're too preoccupied, with trying to come up with our own path forward to cross our Jordan. We're too close to the Jordan that we're paralyzed by by the enormity of it, that that we can't see the God that's leading us and that is before us leading us into the Jordan. And some of us, because we're so preoccupied with trying to do our Jordan our way, or we're so paralyzed by the impossibility of our Jordan, that the magnitude of the impossible begins to cause us to move into anxiety, fear, discouragement, and doubt. And it keeps us from being in position from seeing the miracle that God is about to do in the midst of your Jordan. You see, we've had multiple Jordans. And I found myself too close up, always preoccupied with trying to fix it. You see, when those gangbangers showed up on our doorstep, we needed to sell our house in two weeks. And so what did I start doing? I started being anxious. And instead of looking at the ark, I started looking to the internet. I started looking at Zillow and Redfin. I started looking at rent.com. I started looking at the listings of the schools because my kids had to get into school. I had to find a place to live, so I, I had to look at Zillow for that. The church had already moved all the way here to Pasadena, and it was twice expensive. And so I'm trying to figure out in my own strength how to deal with my Jordan. Is that just me? See, I was too close up. I didn't stand back. See, the first thing God calls us to do when our Jordan rages is not just sit and look at the impossible or engage in self reliant preoccupation with the impossible, but to create enough distance to see the God of the impossible. And as we gaze upon Him, follow His cadence. You notice I said that. It's not your cadence. See, some of y'all want to just run through the Jordan. Right? Come on now. Let's be honest. He might want you to sit there for a little bit longer. He might want you to mosey on through that Jordan. Get 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 a look at it. He also might want you to take time to seek his direction on how he wants you to cross that Jordan. See, God is calling some of you and your Jordan's to back up and give God room. Some of you need to say to your Jordan right now, you need to say to your Jordan right now, his way, his will, his time. Not my way, my will, my time. If you want me to sit here for three days or 30 days, if you want me to sit here for 30 years, Some of y'all have been in stuff for years. I know how that feels. If you're anxious, restless right now in the midst of your Jordan, and the Spirit and His fruit isn't manifesting in the midst of your Jordan, then your eyes are not on the ark. You're too close. You haven't backed up to see what's in front of you. And this is what we're going to do with this campaign, church. We're going to look beyond the building. This is impossible. But through the journey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to choose to stand back and see the ark. We're going to choose to see his path forward. See, myself, Pastor James, the leadership, we all have a path forward. But his ways are not our ways. Oh, trust me. We are not that arrogant to think that we know what we're doing. I'm going to be honest with y'all right now. We have no idea what we're doing. I don't mean to make you a little bit afraid. I know we're supposed to be the leaders here. (laughs) Like, dude, we're following you, man. Well, follow us as we follow Christ. And what we're going to do is we're going to stand back enough to be able to see the miracle. When this is all said and done... May it not be that we said that we applied our ingenuity, our talent, our ability, our, our teams put this together, our execution, all of that stuff, and that's why we got it done. Oh, man, may we not be in that number, amen? May everybody in this church, when and as God chooses to fulfill whatever he wants to fulfill through living way, through our efforts, be able to say it was all the Lord. This is the first thing we're gonna do as a church. We're gonna sit back, see the ark, follow his pathway forward, and put our position ourselves in position to see the miracle. And one of the most tangible ways that you can do that is prayer. That is an admission that we can't and he can. And so we made some postcards as a way that we can actually begin to demonstrate. It's not going to be our power. It's not going to be our strength. It's going to be by the spirit of the living God. And it's going to be us on our knees asking him to do what we can. And so what we have on here are our verses. And Sunday through Saturday, we're asking everyone to pray every single day over these verses. And ask God to do the impossible in the midst of our Jordan. And so I'm asking if you guys could, every one of you who feel and know that you're called to this church to be a part of this, even if you're not. If you could just pray for us. Go downstairs, there will be a table downstairs in the cafeteria with a pile of these things. Take one, take two, take some, take some for your mama, auntie, uncle, brother, your cousin, your dog. Do whatever you got to do. And let's get people praying as an admission of our own reliance upon God. Amen? Amen. So that's the first thing that we're going to do. But there's a second thing that God is calling us to do as the Jordan rages before us. we see it in verse 8 of chapter 3 and as for you command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan you shall stand still in the Jordan and Joshua said to the people of Israel come here and listen to the words of your God and Joshua said here is how you shall know that the Living God is among you everybody say Living God and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth. Everybody say, Lord of all the earth. is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, for each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Lord of all the earth. Everybody say, Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the jordan the waters of the jordan shall be cut off from flowing and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap the second thing that god is calling us to do in the midst of our raging jordans is is not simply to see him but to know the god who is at the foot of your jordan notice in verse 10 and Joshua said, "Here is how you shall know that the living God." Everybody say living God. And notice he uses the word know there. In the Hebrew, that is yada. That is an experiential knowledge. It's you, it's so intimate that it is used of sexual union, right? Adam knew his wife Eve, yada. And so what God is saying here is that you're going to have an intimate experience with the reality that I am alive among you. You're going to know what's living in your midst. And you notice he says, he will without fail drive out the Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, this ite and that ite. There's a logic here that's being used. Here's the reality. If Yahweh can tame the river, then he can tame every single one of your enemies that's on the other side of the river. If he can stop the Jordan, he can stop your giants. If he can get you into the land, he surely will secure the land for you. Because he's a living God. You're going to know he's not a stone. He's not a statue. He's not made of raw moth or rust. He's not going nowhere. He is alive, living, and moving. But he's not just that in the midst of your Jordan. He's also, verse 11, Behold the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. And notice he repeats it twice. Notice in verse 13 he says it again. And when the soles of your feet, the priests bearing the ark of the covenant, the Lord of all the earth. See, he's not just the living God. He's the Lord of all the earth. This is the designation that God gives to the people as he marries it with the ark. Notice he couples it with the ark of the covenant. The presence that is the ark of the covenant that is God, I want to tell you who that is that's in the ark. Because, see, if you know that he's Lord of all the earth, then you don't have to preoccupy yourself with your Jordan. So I'll run it down to you. The Lord of all the earth means that he is sovereign, that he owns everything. We needed to sell our house in two weeks. I think it sold in 10 days. The kids needed to get into a new school. It's August. We want to put them in a Christian school. We can't afford private education. Amy and Jerry had a daughter that was going to Maranatha. She's graduated UCLA right now. They told us about the high school that was in Pasadena, the only Christian high school. We looked at how much it costs. We was like, oh no, not gonna happen. Not for the Cosleys. Well, we just so happened to have my mentor that had intimate connections with the school ended up in both our girls in a matter of five days. We had to find a place to live. The house sold in 10 days, but now all my stuff is out on the block. So where am I gonna live? Well, we just so happened, you know, notice how I keep saying, just so happened. To have somebody in the church that had a house that they just bought that was unoccupied. And they said, you know what? It's just about 15 minutes away from Pasadena. You guys can stay there. God bless Peggy and Chris. Buy a new home. We had to get a place to live, though, because we couldn't stay in Peggy and Chris's house forever. They wanted to live there, too. So we had to get a home. And we had a little bit of money that we had set aside when we sold the house in Compton. And so one day I was at my auntie's house and uh, just telling her about what God was doing, all the challenges, all the trials, all the good, all the bad. And uh, we started getting to where we were now occupied. And I told her, I said, yeah, well, the church has moved to the Pasadena area. And uh, she said, oh, really? Oh no! So then, that's all. That's that's all I said. Um, She then told me, you know, my father owned some property in Altadena uh, years ago, and we still have one that's out there. And I just kind of was like, oh, okay, man. Well, praise the Lord. That's crazy that you got family like right out here. You guys all out in Riverside, so you know the area. She's like, yeah, we used to visit there all the time. Used to have horses back there and all kind of stuff. I was like, oh, that's great. I jump in the car leave. I'm driving about halfway through the trip and again this doesn't happen to me often but praise the lord that it does but the holy spirit say you big dummy why didn't you ask your auntie about the house it's like oh man i got to the house i got home called my auntie was like look hey auntie um that house that you was talking about i kind of could like use a house right now because we have nowhere to like live and she was like well I'm gonna tell you this, it's been sitting for three and a half years. It is in really bad shape and there's someone that's living in it that refuses to leave. I've been trying to get this person to leave for the past three and a half years, but I can't do it. If you wanna try to take that on, I said, ho ho, I'm not taking that on. But I know a God out of the Jordan who will. And she said, "If." have at it. Where well, we sat in front of that Jordan for almost a year couldn't get that person out. It's a long story. If you ever wanted to talk to me, we can talk about it. There came a point where one time finally like before the dogs was trying to attack me when I went there, before she wasn't answering the door. I tried calling, she ignored me for like three months, and the time is ticking because of some other issues that we needed as a family. And Peggy and Chris, they need to live in their house. And so, there came a day where I called and she picked up. And she said, I don't know what happened, but last night I had a dream, And I heard God, and she is not a believer, I heard God tell me, stop fighting me because you can't win. Give them the house. So then we got the house. Then we got into the house. Black mold all over the place. We got a loan. The loan people came. The inspector, he looked at it. He was like, oh, no, we're labeling this a hazard. We can't give you a loan, so you can't buy the house. Come on, Lord, you just, you just took me through a year of sitting in front of my Jordan, and now I got another Jordan. The moment, literally, the moment that my loan officer told me that news, he said, but I need to tell you something. Somebody just walked into my office, and they're walking out right now, And they just told me that there's another type of loan that I've never heard before of in my life. And I've been doing this for 25 years. That is the exact kind of loan that you need for a hazardous house like that. And we can get it to you within the next couple weeks. And the loan allowed us to remodel the house. Why? Because I have a living God who's Lord of all the earth. That house sat there for three and a half years. You wanna know why? Because it belonged to God. And God said, the Cosley's name is on it. For three and a half years, prime property, they couldn't sell it. Wanna know why? Because it didn't belong to them. It belonged to the God of all the earth. And he had set it aside for such a time as this. You see, I don't know your Jordan, but listen, the god who owns it all is actively and intimately present and moving at the foot of your jordan because he is lord over it i don't care what it looks like i don't care how impossible it is i don't care how far gone you think it is i've lived through some jordans i've told people i've had people look at me and say that's impossible and i've seen god part the seas we're living where we've got our jordan pasadena let us go forward knowing god owns pasadena every piece of property every street every land every individual every business every dollar we got to get 1.5 million god owns every dollar in the entire world he can get us 1.5 million So what is God calling us to in this journey? One, he's calling us to see and look to him for the path forward. And he's calling us to know that our Jordan belongs to him and that he is intimately with us in it. So one of the action items for us moving forward is that we're going to be hosting a Beyond the Building Campaign Commitment Banquet at the end of this month. And it's going to be for those who have demonstrated a commitment to Living Way And what do we mean by commitment to living way we're defining it as those who have been consistent in financial giving and or have been consistent and committed to serving here in this body called living way we're looking for the people who see the vision who have demonstrated tangibly through giving and through serving that they're on board that we are on board with Living Way, we know God's call for this church, we believe and we embrace the vision, and so those are the people that we're gonna be inviting out to this banquet. And our goal is 1.5 million over a three year span. That's our goal. And we're asking all those that we invite to the banquet that you would come and ask the Lord, what would he call you to and play your role and your part in that 1.5 million. We're going to ask you to, to make pledges and to make a commitment and to say, God, we believe that you have a calling through Living Way in this church and that this vision to be a gospel revealing missional community because yes, the days are evil and yes, we see that there's a waning of the gospel and we believe that the gospel that is going forth through this church is the authentic, true, unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ that saves the lost that will transform souls. And so we're gonna ask for a commitment and that can be monthly, it can be quarterly, it can be one lump sum. And we're asking that it would be above and beyond your tithes and your offerings. So what we're asking is that you would begin to pray even now as a family, as an individual, to how much and what it looks like for you to actually play a role and contribute financially to the campaign. We're gonna send out invitations tomorrow. And we're asking that you would RSVP by October 15th. And for those of you who do not receive an invitation, I want you to just let this be an occasion, not for discouragement. Don't let this be an occasion for division or grumbling, but an opportunity to jump on board with God's vision through this church. Let this campaign, let this banquet be a catalyst For you to begin to invest your time, your talent, and your treasure to what God is doing here. Because right after the banquet, everyone is going to have an opportunity to jump on board and drive this train through the Jordan that God has us so that we can experience the vision of a gospel-revealing, missional community. So God is calling us to see and know. And now my last point. The last thing God is calling us to do in this campaign of beyond the building is seen in chapter 4, verse 1. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And, And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. The last thing that God is calling us to do in this is to remember. You see, living way, we've crossed Many Jordans. You realize Living Way was born in Pastor James' mom's living room. They had nowhere to call home. Just a fledgling group of college and high school students. Not a dime to their name. And yet the very next week, they were in a church facility, rent free. You see, we've seen as a church our series of Jordans. Ten years later, myself and Pastor James wanted to co-lead Living Way. At that point, I had been kind of in and out of the community, and we just found a kinship and a brotherhood. We just loved one another. And we loved the heart and the passion and the gifting and the values that God had laid on both of our hearts, and they just aligned so well. And so we said, hey, why don't we co-lead? Well, that in itself was a Jordan. Because we went to every single person, and we told, we told our mentors. We went to Viola and Talbot professors, people with PhDs, looking for answers. Said, look, we want to co-lead. But the PhDs looked at us and said, don't do it. Don't do it. We tried it, and we couldn't do it. God bless you. It's wonderful, and it's a great thing to do. But I'm just telling you right now, be ready. I don't know about all that. That was our Jordan. Me and Pastor James have been co leading for the past 13 years in Living Way Community Church. We've seen our Jordans. They told us that we couldn't afford two full time pastors, but we felt God had called us to cross that Jordan into co leadership. Well, right when we were at that place and at that stage, God bless Pastor James' mom. Pastor James' mom is just, she's all over the place, boy. She just, miracles just happening through that woman. She, she calls her son and says, You know, I'm at a church over here and I got some connections. Pastor James' mom always had connections. Everybody gave Pastor James' mom everything. She's just the nicest lady. And I already told them about you. Even she's the one, she's the reason why he's even a pastor. She just told them he was a pastor. He just showed up not knowing he was the pastor. He just showed up at the church. No, this is, asking the story. His mom told the pastor, he's the youth pastor. He came in and they declared him as a youth pastor. He didn't even know. Pastor James was sitting in the back like, they was clapping their hands, probably. I wasn't there, but they they was clapping their hands. He had to stand up like. And that's how God called Pastor James into pastoral ministry. And she told us, you guys can come to this church where I am right now, rent free. Which enabled me to come on full time, for the first time in pastoral ministry in 2010. We've seen our Jordans. God got us through a pandemic. God got us through social and political unrest. God got us through church closures. God got, 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 got us through people leaving. God got us through financial times of crisis. And this is why we called our 20th anniversary Stones of Remembrance, based on Joshua chapter 4. Because our 20th anniversary was an opportunity for us to articulate the things that I told you. And who did we see in the distance through it all? God, leading the way, parting every single Jordan that was before us. For all intents and purposes, living ways should not be right now. I want to say this lastly. Listen, I'm going to say this clearly. I don't know if God wants us to get a building, okay? I can't guarantee that a new building is our promised land. That's in the mind and heart of God. Here's where our promised land is. As we journey toward what we believe God is calling us to, here's the new covenant Christian promised land. He's going to be gracious to give us all things, Romans 8.32. In the midst of our journey toward this and through this Jordan, Romans 8.28, he's going to work everything out for our good no matter what the outcomes are, whether we stay here for another 50 years, whether we get a tent outside and call that church, whether we get a multi-million dollar building with lights and whistles and different Jesuses. God is going to produce the fruit of endurance. The promised land for us is the reality that he will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him you see the new covenant promise is that he will give rest to your soul the new covenant promise is he's going to do far more abundantly than what we could even think or imagine you see the new covenant promise is that there's an eternal weight of glory that is happening through our Jordan second Corinthians chapter 4 that he will be with you for all time that living way no matter what is going on his promises will be yes and amen in Jesus he who began a good work in this church will be faithful to complete it that's the promise and we will do even greater things because he promised it through the Spirit of the Living God All the promises belong to us. They're yes and amen, and that is our promised land living way. And we are going to stake our ground and what we know are the promises of God for us, and we're going to leave the outcomes to the Lord. This is our way forward. And that is where we stay. How is God calling us to approach our Jordan? How is God calling you to approach your Jordan? He's calling us to look beyond the building. and He's calling you to do the same. See, what he wants you to do is what he told the children of Israel to do here. He wants you to see, he wants you to know, and he wants you to remember. He wants you to see, Keep your eyes on the God that is leading you through that Jordan and follow his path forward. He wants you to know that he is living and that he is Lord, sovereign of all the earth. And he wants you to remember and know all of the ways that he has been faithful to meet you in your Jordans. He's met you in your Jordans, hasn't he? Or if you just stop and pause and just recount your life, oh, he's crossed many Jordans for you. Take those stones and put them in the middle of those old Jordans and let them remind you that the one who has been faithful will continue to be faithful. And one of those times of remembrance that the Lord Jesus gave to us is communion. Communion is designed for us to remember that everything that we gained in Christ actually belongs to us. So here's what I want you to do. Just take a few moments. And I want you to take your Jordans before the Lord. This is just a time of reflection. You're preparing your heart for communion. And I want you to do the exercise and the discipline of remembering. I want you to ask God, we can do all three of them. God, will you help me to see you in the distance? that you are ahead of me in the midst of this Jordan. I want you to ask God to help you to know he's living and that he's Lord over your Jordan. And I want you to just go before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit, will you give me the grace to just remember all of the ways that you've parted my Jordans in the past so I can be rooted right now in my present, knowing you're gonna be faithful for my future. So let's just take a few moments. Go before the Lord right now. prayer to take communion. Jesus said, For I received from the Lord, was also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. In The same way also he took the cup, After supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us proclaim together. Oh, God, thank you for the cross. Thank you, God, for this stone of remembrance. The cross is the very symbol of our freedom, that we have been chosen and adopted. God, that we've been redeemed through your blood, that we have been forgiven of every trespass, and that we have an inheritance in the heavens set aside for us thank you for the cross. And God, help us to move in this vein. God, help us to see and to trust in you for the path forward. God, help us to know that you are living and Lord of all, every one of our Jordans. And God, help us to remember all the ways that you have been, who you are, faithful, this in Jesus' name.